0: So this July, the New Life Church Youth Group gets the opportunity again to go on our yearly missions trip, and for the past three years, we have been going to Patterson, New Jersey. So this year, we have six individuals going, uh, three students and three leaders, so it's perfectly symmetrical, which is great. Uh, But what we will be doing is we're going up to Patterson, New Jersey. We will mainly be partnering with Child Evangelism Fellowship in the Patterson area. And Monday through Friday, we will be going and we will be doing Bible clubs in the community day camps there in Patterson, all throughout the the city, which is an amazing opportunity because these are camps with the community. They often aren't run by Christians, but they beg this ministry to come and do Bible clubs. So what our team will do is we will do two clubs Monday through Friday and we will go for about 90 minutes, two hours or so. We will hang out with the kids. We will be able to sing gospel-rich songs. We will be able to share God's word with them. We'll be able to memorize scripture together. We will be able to play games, have fun, Lord willing, counsel them and show them the way of salvation and answer some of their very deep difficult questions that they are struggling with. And as we were singing some of these songs, I was thinking many of these kids don't know that there is a one true God who is in authority over the good and awful times in their life. And they don't know that someone has mercy and grace for them through his son, Jesus Christ. Like, they don't know these things. So our team gets the privilege to go and show them there is a God. He loves you. He sent his son to save you. So aside from partnering in those day camps, what we'll be doing is we'll be partnering with Lighthouse Pregnancy Center, and then we will also be partnering with Salvation Army, and we'll get an opportunity to do two Bible clubs there with kids in their community, which is new to us, and I'm very excited. So we have a lot going on, and what we figured we'd do real quickly this morning is would have the team come up, share what they're excited for, but most importantly, share how you can be praying for them. And I would encourage you, please, starting today, if you haven't already been praying, uh, be praying for the team, as it's always difficult getting out of our comfort zone and doing things that are hard and a little bit uh, scary. So, what we'll do is they'll, they'll come up and then I'll kind of close. So, we'll start with Allison.
1: So, one of the things I'm most excited about for the trip is to be able to teach the Bible clubs because Connor and I used to work with Child Evangelism Fellowship as missionaries, and one of my favorite parts of working with that ministry was teaching the kids. Um, So, I'm excited for that, and I'm also excited to see how God's going to work in our team and just the hearts of our students and even us as leaders. Um, one thing that you can be praying for is you can be praying for Connor because he's the only guy on the strip this year. (laughs) No, I mean, that's a joke. But in all reality, you can be praying for us as a team to have self-control with our emotions, because there's going to be times we're frustrated, trying to drive around the city, getting lost. Um, It's definitely bound to happen. It happens almost every day on the trip. (laughs) We are not good with directions. So you can pray for us to just handle our emotions well when we're frustrated or hot and sweaty and exhausted and feeling cranky, that we'll just be patient and gentle with each other. and you can just pray that we'll be unified as a team. So, One thing I'm excited for for this trip is I know last year we were able to see some of the same kids we saw the first year, which is really exciting because it was good to remember their names and they were excited to see us. Um, so I'm praying that we have the opportunity to see some of the same children so that we could continue to plant seeds in their lives. But we could also be praying that we meet new kids who may have never heard the gospel before. Um, One thing I'm really excited for is just to be able to go, because I look forward to it every summer. And now that I work at the daycare, I'm literally going to be doing summer camps all year long, all year long. So it's going to be a really exhausting summer for me, but it's going to be an amazing opportunity to just share the gospel with so many children. So, I'm really excited because this is going to be my first time going. And, you know, I'm excited to teach these kids about God as well as learn new things from them. Um, And, you know, I'm just excited to see new faces and help them get through some stuff, you know. Um, Pray that I don't get over emotional while I'm there. hello i'm really excited about working with the kids and getting them to teach them about the gospel and i'm also really excited about working with the community especially at the pregnancy centers and i'm asking if you could pray for my patients because i lose that a lot
0: So we have myself, my wife Allison, Rose as leaders, and we have Katie, Lucy, and then Marissa, uh, who couldn't be here this morning because she has her dance recital. Uh, But she said she is most excited to bring God's word to the kids. She's also excited, like Rose, to see some of the same kids again, and she asked prayer for patience and the Lord's uh, guidance. And if you saw a theme, it was, help us with patience and our emotions, That's just a general theme uh, that you could be praying about. But pray that the Lord, even now, will be working in the hearts of the kids so they'll be ready to hear and respond to the gospel. Even if we don't see them respond, he will work. uh, Because that is what is most important. Um, Yeah, so the two big ways that you can help us is, the main one, is be praying for us. The plan is on the trip to send out specific prayer requests, so you can be praying each day specifically, Uh, but be praying for us. That is the most important work, and secondly, if you would like to help financially, um, if you would like to do that, you can talk to myself or anyone on the team. You can email me. I think it's on the back of the bulletin. There's kind of three big, bigger needs this year when it comes to finances. The first is gas, as we all know far too well. In the church van, it's very expensive driving around food as well as it has been going up in prices. And then uh, this year where we're staying, there's a $200 cleaning fee. And it is well worth it, but these are just new uh, expenses that we haven't had before. So be praying. That is the most important thing. And if you would like to give something financially of You know, feel free to ask me or anyone on the team. Uh, But what we'll do is in two weeks, we'll come up um, and the elders will pray over the team as as we start getting ready to go. But what we'll do now is we'll pray and we'll jump back into our time of, of worship with God's word. God, I thank you. You've been so gracious and merciful that you have saved us. And God, that you give us the opportunity to go and tell others of your grace and mercy. God, I pray for our team and I pray for this whole church that we will have a lifestyle of telling people far from you about your grace and mercy. Do that in our hearts, our lives. God, help us with our emotions, with feeling overwhelmed. Give us a supernatural peace that just doesn't make sense. I pray you will give us a supernatural patience and unity. And Lord, I pray most of all that you will be working in the hearts of not only the kids, but the day camp leaders, that they will hear the gospel and they will believe. God, I pray you will be our only boast. And I pray right now, God, as we look at your word, that you will be working. Lord, I thank you in your name. Amen.
2: Amen. If you listened as Connor prayed, one of the things I hope you heard as he was praying is that one of the aspects of this is teaching a lifestyle of walking and living with Jesus and having this learning how this is a routine of life. And I would hope as you guys walk this journey and as you think about this, the same should be true for you. As we live each day and as we move each day, the goal is to live out our faith each moment in each place in each opportunity in a way that reflects Jesus. Well, this morning, we're going to pick, pick up in Hebrews 4, but to look at things and to kind of track well, what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back and look at Hebrews 3. Because Hebrews 4 continues the same conversation that started in Hebrews 3. Hebrews 4 continues the same conversation from Hebrews 3. And the important part also is that in, in Hebrews 3 there's a big quote from Psalm 95. And he references that again in Hebrews 4. So humor me here for a moment and let's kind of just walk through and and listen to Hebrews 3 and then we will start to walk through Hebrews 4. He says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. And part of what he's doing here is he's identifying how he is, Jesus is greater than Moses. And again, as we talked last week, people are stepping back and they're kind of creating a little bit of space, a little bit of distance from Jesus. And, and, and the author is coming back and saying, listen, you should not be stepping back. You should not be creating distance from Jesus. In fact, you should be stepping in. You should be leaning in. You should be seeking to embrace Jesus because Jesus is greater. Jesus is is greater, and he is greater than Moses. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone. But the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confession and hope in which we boast. Therefore, as the Holy Scripture says, or as the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes from Psalm ninety-five: Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested Me, tried Me, and so My works for forty years. Therefore, I was re- provoked to anger with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known My ways. So I swore my anger, they will not enter my rest. And again, as we talked about this, one of the things that the writer to the Hebrews keeps on doing is he keeps on referencing those things that they are really familiar to, that the readers are really familiar with. And he keeps on referencing the Jewish scriptures in those areas that they're very familiar with. We talked about this last week, kind of someone playing playing the hits and and going back to those things that are super, super familiar. And he's coming back to those things that are super familiar, but then saying, but these things point to Jesus. These things talk about Jesus. And he's highlighting how these things talk about Jesus and and talking about... who they are and who they need to be in Christ. And the whole story about the, what took place as the nation left and fled Egypt and as they were in the wilderness and all the things, all the Jewish community, they know this. This is intimate knowledge for them. And so when he talks about what happened at Meribah and other things, they know exactly what's going on. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Just like the nation of Israel had an evil, unbelieving heart that prompted them to say no to God when it was time to go into the promised land. They said, oh. We can't trust you God. We don't believe that you're going to protect us. We don't believe you're going to give us the victory. He just took them out of Egypt. He conquered the armies of of Egypt. He's been feeding them for the last few years. Oh no God, we don't think you can do it. There's giants in the land. And they all came back and they said, "No, we don't want to go. We're not going to do it. You can't make me." You know <laughs> I say, what do you mean I can't make you I'm bringing you here to give you something amazing I'm bringing you here to give you a promised land I'm bringing you here to bring you into my rest I have brought you here so I can bless you and they're going no 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 nuts just nuts and God says ok you want to say no and you want to push back and you don't want this amazing thing I'm going to offer you and you don't want to go into this place and I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to go before you and help you if you're, you're going to push back, okay. I'll give you what you want. You get to walk around the wilderness and die in the wilderness over the next 37 years and your kids will come in. I'll give it to your kids instead. But he says, but encourage each other Daily. While it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception, and they were deceived. We talked about Eve, and we talked about others. We're deceived by sin because sin just lies to us. It just lies. Again, the whole whole saying. All of you have met individuals like this. When they start to talk, you know they're lying. And you have the old adage, how do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. When Satan starts, when you see Satan's lips moving, you know he's spreading deceit. And just lies. Now, for we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we are, we had at the start. As it said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. For who heard and rebelled when, when, all, when it is all has come? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it with those who sinned, with those bodies who fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? Now, this is kind of the launch into chapter 4. So we see that they were unable to enter, because of unbelief. Now he launches into chapter 4. And I want us to kind of start to walk through and look at this a little bit and, and process this a little bit more because he talks more about rest in chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. God has something he's offering. He's offering something amazing. He's offering something good. And, and, and he's using the analogy and the illustration of the nation of Egypt, the nation of Israel, after they left Egypt. He's bringing them to the promised land. He's bringing them to that place of God's rest. And, and, and the place of rest is important. Because the place of rest is a place where God's blessing resides. The place of rest is a place where God's provision resides. And God is going to bring them to that promised land where his presence is going to be, his, his blessing is going to be, and, and, and they're going to be resting in the provision and the goodness and the richness of God. In the nation of Israel, as they came to the promised land, they said, no, we don't want it. You can't make us go. And, and again, have you ever done something amazing for someone? And they turn around and they go, No, thank you. And they're like, You've got to be kidding me. I just moved heaven and earth. I just spent all this money. I did, just did all of these amazing things for you. And you don't want what's being provided for you? No, thank you. That's what's going on. That's crazy. Because they're afraid. Now, have you ever had moments in your life where you're afraid, where things intimidate you, where things scare you? All around us right now is all sorts of stuff that should be scaring us. We're going through a baby formula shortage in our country. We are going through a crazy gas crisis in our country. We have Russia flexing its muscles as it's invaded Ukraine and stomping on, as a bully, a small, weaker neighbor. We have China flexing its muscles. We have North Korea trying to flex its muscles. All around us, we have all of this stuff going around militarily that should intimidate us and scare us. Now, does anyone notice that COVID kind of has raised its head again more recently? And lots of people are getting COVID. It's interesting. We went through the major period of COVID and many people that I know didn't get COVID. And over the last month and a half, many people I know have gotten COVID. Now, the great thing about now as the to then is now we have a pretty good handle on how to handle COVID. And most people who get COVID now are, can go get the monoclonal antibodies. They can go see the doc and they can kind of navigate through that journey and they do fairly well. And so the, the, the fear of death is not as great, but still the, the, all that fear stuff and all that physical stuff. We have all of this economy stuff going on right now where everything is becoming incredibly expensive. I've been listening on the radio the other day and as they were talking about some of the things they said, listen, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so we're feeling it right now, but we're we're probably going to hit some form of depression is what they're going on, a, a major recession. And so what you're feeling right now, it's going to get worse. And you kind of listen to that and process that, and you go, whoa, this is kind of intimidating. This is kind of scary. There's all sorts of stuff around us to absolutely scare us. Now, we can allow the things that swirl around us to dominate our world, or we can learn to rest. When we lived in Pittsburgh, <laughs> now, I'm a country boy, okay? So literally, I grew up with dirt and cow manure between my toes okay just that was the world I grew up in okay Joan small town girl we move to Pittsburgh we move into this house and one of the first things you notice as you move into the house one it's attached to the church building but then two as you are moving into this apartment this house there are grates over the downstairs windows. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We used to go on vacation as a family. And my dad wouldn't lock the front door. And we'd be gone for two weeks or so. We never had a fear of anyone walking in and stealing from us. And now, again, I grew up in the country. We couldn't see a neighbor's house, so someone could come in and wipe us out, and they could do it at their leisure because no one's going to see them. We had no fear. We didn't lock a door. We didn't have any. I mean, we had these old windows, and so man, those locks at the top of the windows barely worked. We didn't, we didn't have anything over our windows, let alone anything on our doors. And we're moving into this place with grates over the windows. And when we moved into this place, Joan started watching the news. And as she started to watch the news, she would hear about a riot there or grumbling there and, and all around us in the city and things going on. And she started, I finally, she started to get kind of pretty intimidated and pretty afraid. And finally I said to Joan, I said, you've got to stop watching the news. You just got to turn the TV off. You got to not look at the newspaper. You got to stop watching the news because you're letting all of that noise scare you. And we allow all the noise that happens around us to scare us. The Jewish people listened to all the noise and they were afraid to go into the land. Afraid to follow, follow the Lord. And you know, we have that too in our journey at times. We're afraid to follow God. Because as we choose to step into the things of God, and as we choose to step into walking with Jesus, we're stepping sometimes into unknown territory, and it's scary. Or we know that... I'm going to go someplace and someone's going to say something and God's going to prod my heart to talk about him and he's going to prod my heart to step into that situation and say something about Jesus and that's scary. How are they going to react? How are they going to respond? What are they going to say to me? And then what are they going to think of me? All that stuff is going on. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, and so we can live in fear or we can enter into God's rest. Let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short, for we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Since they were not united with those who had heard it in faith. Now, if you hear Throwback Monday 1930 gas prices Costco and brick and you go, whoa! Was it 15 bucks a gallon? You go, Whoa, that's amazing! 20 bucks a gallon? Whoa! And you text everybody. But then you don't go. Has it benefited you? No. You can talk to me. <laughs> Has it benefited you if you see the news and you're amazed by it, but you don't do anything with it? You haven't benefited. That's exactly what he's saying. So if you have this amazing news, you have this amazing information, it blows your mind. Whoa, can you believe that? And you don't do anything with it. You haven't benefited. You haven't benefited. So... For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he said. I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, but we have because God is not angry at us. We have chosen to believe. We have chosen to be obedient. Now he goes on. Even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world... How much work has God been doing or since He created stuff? How much has He been making? He holds all things together, but the idea is He hasn't made more. He's made, He set it in motion. Jesus has come and He's been graceful and but He hasn't we we don't we don't have another creation over here and then a third iteration over here and we God's creative work has been completed is what he's saying. So, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. God rested. Now, God thinks rest is a pretty big ideal. And, And part of what The idea is taking place on that seventh day of rest. What did all of creation do on that seventh day? It also rested. But what it also did on that seventh day is all of creation functioned and did what God designed it and made it to do. And on that seventh day, what all creation did is it brought glory to God because all of creation was doing exactly what God designed it and shaped it and called it to do. It all brought glory and honor to God. Now, God rested. And again in that passage, talking about the one up above, he says, They will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again spec- specifies a certain today. Certain day. Today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What's going on? The offer and the opportunity to enter that rest is still there. God is still offering the opportunity to enter into his rest. Now, I got to tell you, then I come to this next one. Any of you up watch Jeopardy? <laughs> It's kind of a family routine for Joan and I. We watch Jeopardy on a regular basis. And so as we watch Jeopardy, every once in a while they have these church Questions or these Bible questions that pop on, and you know, it's okay to sit on the sofa or your chair as you're watching that, and you can can rattle rattle off a bunch of them. But I say to myself at different times, So, boy, I would, however, never want to be on Jeopardy because I know for for sure that if I'm on Jeopardy, those questions show up. You know, I introduce myself, Hello, this is Pastor Brown from New Jersey, and now the Bible question comes up. Sure as nothing, the Bible question comes up, and I get it wrong. You know, which is exactly what I did last week. I said, so who was it that was, who, went, who, 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 who got in? And I went, Jacob and Esau. And I, I sat down over there and I went, what a nut. Jacob and Esau. Andrew, how dumb can you be? I'm just in a, boom, in a moment. I got to give an answer. Jacob and Esau. Wrong. <laughs> you know, Joshua and Caleb it is. And here he talks about Joshua right here. I should have been on chapter four instead of chapter three. He said, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. What we need to understand is what God is offering here. The rest that God is talking about is something more than just going into that land. It's something more. There's something deeper, there's something richer, there's something better that God is offering. Therefore, and here's what it, he says He's therefore a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. And if you look in the notes, I highlighted, I, I colored the Sabbath rest just because it stands out. It's the unique description of rest here in chapter 4 a Sabbath rest. It's that rest that God kind of had waiting and resting in God that worshiping and celebrating the amazingness of God that is still pending for the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his now we still work don't we we still have things we need to do to make ends meet, to, to, to provide for our needs, to be able to go out and, and buy food, to provide a place to live. But the rest we're talking about is something deeper than just labor. Here's what's interesting. When you look at the, the biblical account, and when you read about how God created Adam and Eve, it talks about how he released them into the garden to work the garden after Eve rebelled and after Adam chose after Eve was deceived and after Adam rebelled was disobedience and the curse took place the language was different and God said the land is going to produce because of painful labor and there was a little change in language because the work that was taking place in the garden was not painful labor The ground responded. The the ground reacted. He might have been able to take a a frond and kind of move it over here and it would go exactly where he was directing it. It But now the ground was going to be resisting painful labor. There's still some work that we do. For the person who has entered his rest has also though rested from his own work just as God did from his. There's a day coming when we're not going to be working anymore. We're done. And we get to enter into God's rest. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. So the news is going out. The information is going out. Enter into God's rest. God offers the opportunity for you to enter into his rest. And it takes steps to be ready to enter into his rest. So that when your day of work is done, when your day of striving to meet the needs of life is done, you can step into that rest, that Sabbath rest, that eternal rest. But you can rest. But if you don't respond... If you hear the news, you hear the information, nineteen thirty gas prices come on up and you don't get in your car and go, you haven't benefited. You've got the information, you have the knowledge, you have the you have the, the news, you have the news, but you're not acting on it. You're not following through on it, you're not engaging it. We are being called to engage the news. We're being called to embrace the news. Now, if you embrace the news, 1930 gas prices at Costco's all day Monday, you're going to get in your car if you're going to embrace that news, and you're going to drive up, and you're going to get gas. That's what it means to embrace that news. And you're going to tell other people, invite other people to go with you. You're going to get a caravan, and you're all going to go up. You're going to get in line. It might be a super long line, but you're going to go up there. You're going to get in line. You're going to get your dollar gas, 1930s gas, not $30 gas. That's embracing it. But what happens is, and what the nation of Israel did, what others did, is they did not embrace that news. They say, embrace it. Engage it. Take advantage of it. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. What's going on here? God knows the heart. And there's no snow in God. See what happens at different times is People show up at religious things. People do religious things. People get involved in religious activity. And they then say to themselves, I'm good. And the writer's saying, no, you're not necessarily. God knows the heart. God knows what's going on on the inside. So, you can't blow smoke at God you can't tell stories to God God cuts through all of that and he knows the truth of the story he knows the truth of the situation so don't be playing games with this embrace the Lord God's going to cut right through all of it do you ever have someone lie to you? And they're really good at it. Yeah. I have a, I'm have. thinking of a particular... I, there's two people in my life, but there's one person in particular who was lying to me. And I just... Man, it was such a good lie. But I just knew in the core of my being that they were lying to me. So I responded to them... As though they were lying to me instead of telling me the truth. And they were blown away that I sniffed out the lie. How did you know? How did you figure that out? It was a really good lie. I had no external evidence that the lie was a lie. I just knew they were lying. You can tell the best lie you can ever tell. And God can sniff out the lie better than anyone you met. And He lays it all bare. See, I didn't have the evidence. God would have had all the evidence. And God would go, well, here and here and here and here and here. These are your lies. Anything else you'd like to say? Yeah. See, I didn't have all the insight. I didn't I couldn't enter into that person's thinking. I couldn't I couldn't see the intention of the heart. But God sees all of that. It's all exposed. It's all laid bare. There's nothing that we can do. To lie to God. He's going to see it. He's going to hear it. He sees it all. Nothing is hidden. No creature is hidden from him. But all things are naked and exposed to his eyes. To the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It's all exposed. All of it. Now, I love this next part. Now, just track with me for a second. God is saying, Enter into my rest. I'm presenting something to you that will give you rest. Now, when we think of all the chaos and all the noise and all the commotion and all the distraction that is going on around us, do you want to be able to look at that and have peace and rest? Or do you want to feel that noise and have it kind of churn on the inside of your being? How about physical stuff? Do you have physical things that are going on in your life? Do you want to listen to that noise and and allow that to create fear and anxiety in your life? Or do you want to be able to hold on to the promises of God and say, okay, this is a challenge and a burden I need to bear for a period of time, but I know it's all temporary because one day I'm going to enter into that final rest. I'm going to be with Jesus, and I'm good. Where do you want to be? Do you want to carry all the weight? Do you want to carry all the burdens? Or do you want Jesus to take those things off your shoulders and start to give you peace and freedom? And that conversation is going on, and Jesus is saying, and the writer is saying, listen, it's all being laid out. It's all being offered. Jesus is saying, take it. But don't be blowing smoke. Don't be be playing games, because Jesus sees it all. So don't enter into this thing thinking, okay, yes, 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 I'll participate, I'll come along. How many of the Jewish community said, yes, 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 I'll come along. And I'll come along because part of what was taking place as the Jews were being kicked out of Egypt, as they were being driven out of Egypt, all the Egyptian people were throwing all sorts of wealth and all sorts of gifts on them. Go, leave, leave. And they were trying to give them money, and their thinking is that if we give them resources, if we give them riches, it's going to placate their God, and he's not going to bring any more plagues, he's not going to bring any more hardship, he's not going to bring any more difficulty on us, we'll send you all forth, we'll send you out, go, we'll make God happy by blessing you as we push you out the door. And so many went, and, and many, of, many of their hearts and attitudes were not in alignment with God. God. And God knew it. And yet God still provided. God still gave them victory over the years of traveling through the wilderness, even though they're dying. God still brought them to the gates of of the promised land, knowing full well they're going to say, we don't want to go in. God fed them every day for 40 years. Scripture talks about how their clothes didn't wear out, their sandals didn't wear out. God provided for them for 40 years, knowing full well that for many of them, their hearts were hard, callous, and not believing. Why? God saw right through everything. All laid bare. And we have a God who sees it all. So as we come into his presence, as we step up to have a conversation, there is nothing in us or about us that he doesn't know and he doesn't see. And that's why I love this next part. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We have an amazing high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. Now, this was a reference and was touched on a little bit up in chapter 2. And if you look in your notes, you see that I put that passage in your notes, and you see that portion from chapter 2. And let me just go there. It says, Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. He reaches out to help you and me. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. In matters pertaining to God to make an atonement for the sins of the people, for since He himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who were tempted. Jesus was tempted, and Jesus was pressed, pressed. Jesus was leaned on, just as you and I are. Now go back down to chapter 4. Now what happens here though is that as Jesus is pressed, as Jesus is leaned on, and as Jesus is pressed to enter into sin and to embrace sin, he said no. He lived righteously. He lived purely. His decision was, no, I'm not going to serve myself. No, Satan, I'm not going to serve you. I am going to serve the Father. I'm going to honor the Father. I'm going to please the Father. I'm going to do those things that the Father wants me to do. I'm not going to do those things that satisfy me. And so he said no to sin. But we're not done. Because I love how this works. Now we would look at that and we would be inclined to say, because Jesus lived perfectly, he would be standing there in heaven going, I did it. Boy, you really messed up. Sorry, dude. You don't measure up that's what we'd be inclined to think that's, that's the world we live in that's the world that, that exists around us that we have this world that says if you don't measure up if you don't kind of meet my standard if you don't meet my criteria you don't qualify you don't get in you're not welcome you don't have access instead the reality is Jesus goes man I understand your struggle Man, do I understand the hardship that you have endured. Oh, I really understand what it means to have temptation just lean in on you and push on you and scream in your ear saying, do it! Do it! Jesus is there going, man to I understand. But he's functioning as a priest, a high priest, and he's standing between us and God, and he's there intervening on our behalf. And he's doing that because he totally gets the struggle. He totally understands the hardship of that journey to say no to sin and to say yes to God. He totally understands the tension in the struggle. And this is what it says. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Man, you would look at that and we would think to ourselves, I am so not worthy. Man, I've got these places in my life where I have just totally messed up. I have these places in my life where I have totally dropped the ball and I've just, God, I have just walked and, and lived so far from you and I've done such sinful, such stupid, such dumb things. And we would be inclined to look at that and say, man, because I have so messed up, because I have blown it in so many significant major ways, I shouldn't even bother to show up. I shouldn't even bother to have the conversation. I shouldn't even bother to walk in and say, please forgive me, because I am such a loser. at that and we are inclined so much to throw in a towel and to quit but he says to us no come with boldness come boldly into my presence not because you're being arrogant but because you're coming in and saying Jesus I just need help Jesus, can you help me? Jesus, can you rescue me? Come in freely and gladly because I get it. I understand. Your struggle totally makes sense to me and I can help you in that journey. In all that weight, and all that pressure, I can start to take it off your shoulders and I can start to give you rest instead of having burden. I can start to give you victory instead of living in defeat. It's so countercultural, so backward to how we think. We think we should be embarrassed. We think we should be afraid. We think we should be ashamed. We think we should hide. We think we should run away. Instead, God says, come to me. Come to me. Walk to me. Don't hide. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Come into my presence with boldness. Because I totally get it. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Mercy is God giving us what we absolutely don't deserve. That's what mercy is. Remember, we were phrase that's that's grace. Mercy is withholding the judgment. Mercy is withholding the judgment. Mercy is when people walk in and they are saying, I am so guilty. I'm so guilty. And mercy says, we choose not to throw the book at you. We choose not And grace says, I will give you what you do not deserve. Both are important. Mercy withholds what we do deserve, and grace gives us what we don't deserve. It's so counter. It is so countercombatical. Boldly into the presence of God because he understands all of the struggles, all of the hardship, all of the pain, all of the difficulty because he has gone through all of that struggle and challenge himself. He totally gets it. And we are invited to boldly enter his presence and receive mercy And we find grace to help us in time of need. And that's where the rest comes from. We get to find ourselves resting in the hand and in the blessing and in the provision of God. It is an amazing thing. Mercy and grace in time of need. You don't have to wave your hand at me. But I would have to think every single one of us has been at a point in our life where we have totally felt the flawedness and the failure of who we are. And it's in those places that God most loudly wants to say to you, boldly come to me. Come to me. Because I have mercy for you and I have grace for you. I am I want to withhold what you deserve and I want to give you what you don't deserve. Now here's the challenge. Nineteen thirties gas, a Costco, all day Monday. Would you show up? Having the news, but not acting on the news, means it doesn't benefit you at all. You have information, but you haven't acted on it. And what is God saying? Boldly come to me. Freely, boldly come to me. Reach out to me because I am your high priest. I stand between you and the Father and I want to give you mercy and I want to pour out God's grace on your life. Come to me. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to hide because I get it. I so understand the struggle you're in. Come to me boldly because I want to help you find victory. I want you to learn to live in my peace instead of struggle and pain and hardship. Knowing all of that, but then choosing not to act on it, Means that it doesn't benefit you at all. You need to act on that. You need to respond and you need to go and say, okay, Jesus, I want you to pour out your mercy on my life. And Jesus, I want that grace poured out on my life. And Jesus knows the heart. He knows the heart. He knows if you're blowing smoke or being straight. You have the information. You have the knowledge. What will you do with it? I would encourage you to make it a habit to embrace Jesus. Maybe you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus today. And Jesus has his mercy and grace that he wants to pour out in your life. Things that he's willing to withhold. Consequences he's willing to withhold. And in the blessings of God, in the grace of God that He wants to pour out in your life that you absolutely don't deserve. But then beyond that, I would encourage you to make it that routine of life because do we stop struggling with sin when we come to a point of faith in Christ? No, we don't. Do we stop struggling with what it means to walk with God when we come to a point of faith in our life? No, we don't, we don't stop struggling. And what do we need to continue to do? We need to continue to come to that throne of grace where we can come boldly being honest about the struggle, being honest about the burden, being honest about the journey. And God isn't there sneering and long eyes and rolling his eyes and ticked off at us. He is there seeking to embrace us with mercy and grace. He is our high priest who stands between us and God interceding on our behalf. Awesome. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you so very much for the amazingness of who Jesus is. And Father, for the amazingness of what you have done for us through Jesus. Father, I've got to be honest, as I continue to dig into these things, as I continue to my heart and my thinking and my understanding and wrapping it around all of these things. Father, it just amazes me how much you love us. It amazes me how much you want to draw us to yourself. It amazes me what you have done for us through Jesus. It just blows me away. Father, so many people have this concept of you as this angry God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Man, Father, you are yearning for us to come boldly to Jesus so we can find mercy and grace. Father, be at work in us, I ask, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.